few filmmakers working in America today are as uniquely talented as Paul Thomas Anderson. Unlike many of his peers, he neither attended film school nor cut his teeth on TV shows, commercials or pop videos. Well, that's not strictly true. I, I, it was my plan in high school that I wouldn't go to film school, but then you know, a couple years out of high school, when I wasn't instantly directing a movie, I started to kind of panic and, and thought about going to film school and even did go to NYU. What, what happened was I walked into this class and the, the, this teacher said, you know, if anyone is here to write Terminator 2, just walk out, just get out of the door. And I thought, well, that's just not a good way to start. What if I do want to write Terminator 2? What if someone sitting next to me wants to write? You know, he was sort of instantly saying, you know, we write serious films here, you know. Terminator 2 is a pretty awesome movie. But he dropped out after only two days, declaring that film school is an absolute con. Why? Because the information is there if you want it. There was Anderson's couch, where he decided to educate himself by watching and re-watching his favourite films by his favourite filmmakers. We'll come to those favourite films and those favourite filmmakers in a moment. But for now, let's focus on his early years. In 1988, at the age of just 17, he made a short film, The Dirk Diggler Story, that would become the basis for his second feature film, Boogie Nights. You can watch it on YouTube. At 31 minutes, it's unwieldy, but it is ambitious and shows a confidence few, if any emerging film talents, would have at such a young age. He was born Stephen Samuel Adams on April 15th, 1961. His father was a construction worker. His mother owned a popular boutique shop. The other voice you're hearing now may sound vaguely familiar, but it is not who you might think it is. It sounds like this man, Philip Baker Hall. I have the money to give you right now, in this moment. I will give you all that I have. Maybe before you were going to kill me, maybe. I don't know. The voice is really that of Anderson's father, Ernie Anderson, who was a radio announcer and voiceover artist, lending his dulcet tones to the promotional ads for ABC television in the late 1970s through to the mid-1990s. Anderson then cut the film at home using two video recorders. So, there's Anderson's film school right there. It would be tempting to say you can see all of Anderson's talent there in that one short movie. But to do that would be dishonest and lazy because it simply isn't true. What is more, to say such a thing about any master of any profession would be to undersell, if not completely deny, their ability to grow and mature as a person and whatever field in which they are working. Looking at, say, Christopher Nolan's Doodlebug, can you honestly see the beginnings of Inception and the Dark Knight trilogy? Or Martin Scorsese's What's a Nice Girl Like You Doing in a Place Like This? And join the dots to Taxi Driver, The Last Temptation of Christ and Hugo. No, you can't. But what you can see in good short films is ambition and a curiosity to see what can be done with the medium. Now look at Anderson's second short film, Cigarettes and Coffee. That is also available on YouTube. Now I'm going to light this and I'm going to wait for the coffee to be poured because that is the correct order of business. And I'm going to make myself comfortable first and I think you ought to do the same thing. Otherwise, this thing of urgency that you have to tell me, it's going to, it's going to be like a conversation in two passing cars on a highway. Yeah, you're right. It is a matter of tradition. 
And that's why we have these things. That's why we have this coffee and these cigarettes. You understand? It's shorter and doesn't do the same things that the Dirk Diggler story does. Not even remotely. So much so that if you were to take the credits off both films, you would be forgiven for not recognising that they were written and directed by the same person. So, who were the great filmmakers Anderson watched? Well, the most obvious one is Robert Altman and his films from the 1970s, specifically MASH and Nashville, that both share several sprawling storylines. You can see the similar structures in Boogie Nights and Magnolia. But even when Anderson makes a small, tight narrative like Punch Drunk Love, he still manages to reference Altman, this time from his comic book picture, Popeye, where olive oil, played by Shelley Duvall, sings this song. And all at once I knew, I knew at once, I knew he needed me. Until the day I die, I won't know why, I knew he needed me. In fact, when the ageing Altman went to make his final picture, A Prairie Home Companion, no insurance company would cover the film, so a standby director was required. Anderson acted as Altman's backup. Now consider the way Anderson uses music, the way he moves his camera, and the way he will construct a sequence through editing. That is all very far removed from Robert Altman's style. In fact, it's closer to Martin Scorsese. And to reinforce this, just compare the final scene in Boogie Nights, where Dirk Diggler prepares for his return to the porn industry, with Raging Bull, where Jake LaMotta puts the finishing touches on a stand-up routine. How are you doing, Jake? Everything all right? Yeah. Ready? You got about five minutes. Okay. Need anything? Nah. You sure? I'm sure. A lot of people out there. Yeah, it's crowded. Boogie Nights, Magnolia and Punch Drunk Love all luxuriate in vibrant colours. More recently, however, in There Will Be Blood and The Master, the colour scheme has become muted. There has also been a shift in pacing, narrative structures and camera style. If anything, Anderson appears to be approaching upon the films of Stanley Kubrick. Just look at the symmetries, both narrative-wise and visually. Also, there is an increasing reluctance on Anderson's part to spell everything out. As well, there is a fascination with flawed, if not unhinged personalities, as well as a refusal to end the story in a conventional manner. That's not to say that Anderson is a cinematic snob. He also expresses deep affection for these films. I met a girl. She's a cashier. No way. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, you know, what's her name? White trash name. Yes. John Wayne. always kind of partial to Roy Rogers, actually. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? So much for his mentors and methods. What about his themes? Well, we have to be careful about that question. 
1954, French film critic and later director François Truffaut wrote an essay in which he declared that what separates great filmmakers from mediocre ones is the signature techniques and recurring themes in their work. Ever since then, there has been a tendency to focus on the similarities in a director's work, and thus there is always the risk that we lose sight of the differences, i.e. growth and development in a film director's canon. As I said, if you were to take the credits of Anderson's short films, you might not recognise the connection. This isn't a bad thing, because it shows a variety of themes and styles. But what are the recurring themes in Anderson's work? Again, it's not so much recurring as how he has altered and changed them over the years. So you have family, especially surrogate ones, you have absent fathers and lost sons. From his first film, Hard Eight, through to Boogie Nights and Magnolia, many characters are alienated and estranged from their biological families. And they also seek comfort in a group of people who just about survive because of a common business interest. Even Barry Egan in Punch Drunk Love, who is the centre of a large family with a cleaning company, wants to escape what he feels is its crushing demands. In Boogie Nights, Dirk Diggler finds a father figure in Jack Horner. And in Magnolia, TJ Mackey is estranged from his father, TV producer Earl Partridge. Moving back to Punch Drunk Love, Barry Egan's father is non-existent. So, parental figures can be neglectful. They can also be abusive, and that can be seen most explicitly in There Will Be Blood, where Daniel Plainview rejects everything around him, children and affection, in pursuit of business. With the porn industry in Boogie Nights and the TV show in Magnolia, you have business and entertainment. More recently, Anderson appears to have added religion to the mix with both There Will Be Blood and The Master. However, religion was there in Magnolia. When demigod TV producer Earl Partridge finally passes away, Los Angeles, the city of angels, is plagued by frogs falling from heaven. But two things seem to run through all of Anderson's films. Capitalists and charlatans. Almost everyone is selling something in his films. As for the charlatans, when his career takes off in Boogie Nights, Dirk Diggler becomes Brock Landers. But really, he is Eddie Adams to begin with. Likewise, TJ Mackey in Magnolia is really Frank Partridge. In There Will Be Blood, Paul Sunday tries to establish his own church and Daniel Plainview fakes his conversion to that church in order to secure more oil wells. And as for the master, forget Freddie Quell. Not even Lancaster Dodd knows who or what Lancaster Dodd is. So over the years, the themes and techniques change. Almost always, Anderson has directed exclusively from his own original screenplays. However, his next picture is an adaptation of Thomas Pynchon's novel, Inherent Vice. So who knows what the future holds? A Pam Dor at next year's Cannes Film Festival? <laughs>